what's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Takes on Takes 100 episode of the show. We are live on Periscope. There's people watching us do this. You're going to hear this in the podcast feed tomorrow if you didn't join us live. Kyle, welcome to the 100th episode of Takes on Takes. Oh, we have so many good comments already. Some of them are takes and some of them are not. But I am very, very excited for this party to get started here. And uh, uh, spoiler alert, uh, we teased Joe at the beginning of the summer that we were going to start doing some different programming for podcasts. And this is what we always had in mind. So this is going to be a regular thing with this gang here. So excited to uh, have this first live show, the first of many, and uh, get some good fan interaction and hot takes out. I want to start with a shout out, Kyle. This okay. has been this has been an awesome concept, right? We're, this is the hundredth time we've done this show concept, takes on takes, and there's been some names along the way that have made this really special. And I look forward to seeing what these guys have for us. Some of them every week, uh, very frequent for others. But uh, as I think across 100 episodes of takes on takes, these are some of the names that stand out for me. How about David Bowen, one of the OG listeners of the podcast? Yeah. Uh, Von Tell, man, every week we get something from him. Cameron Von Tell, hypothetical, whatever we're calling it. Cameron Spencer, that guy sends us like four every week. I got to pick one. Uh, every Trevor ever. How about uh, new vo- new vocabulary from Joe from Trevor? Man, that's uh, we Dan, have Dan, Dan Kadar's clock. Dan Kadar's clock is is on the list here. Bull Bittler, a very common participant. How about Doctor, the guy that just goes by Doctor? We haven't oh. heard from him in a little while. <laughs> I was going to say, I forgot. Where's about that him. guy been? So, uh, you know, you guys make this show really fun for us and something we look forward to every week. And so, those are some of the names that really stood out as as frequent um, distributors frequent of the take. Flyers, yeah, frequent flyers. All right, Kyle. Let's start with our friends from Europe. I'm going to give you this one, um, and if you go to our normal draft dudes planning sheet, you can also see these. Um, which I'll send you a link. That way you are not in the dark. Uh, no, just just feed me the European ones. Okay, the European ones. Owen from TDN Premium Slack, he says, I have, to, I have to play him in Madden tomorrow. Well, you can keep that in mind as you respond to this. He goes, hey, Joe, appreciate you guys letting us Euros in Takes on Takes 100. Take one, the TDN Premium Slack is easily the best social media on the planet. Uh. Yes, just because it's, it's TDN. So I'm going to agree to that. Well, yeah, I'd rather thumb through that than, you know, some of the other uh, toxic things that you can pay attention to. Take two, Nico Collins is a better wide receiver than Sage Sherratt right now and will inflate his draft stock with an excellent senior bowl. He will accordingly be drafted higher in the 2021 NFL draft. Nico Collins is better than Sage Sherratt. That's the take. That's the take. That's an incorrect take. Uh, at, some, at some point... Nico is a great example of like a high weight speed guy and he's a bunch of tools and Sage Surratt to me is uh, a little more silky and for his movement skills. And at some point you got to take into consideration how often the guy gets open. And I understand the Michigan passing offense had some irregularity with Shea Patterson and then Dylan McCaffrey was coming into games, but Sage and his ability to make plays consistently down the field at the catch point is ball tracking skills. I will take that over Nico Collins at this point in time, 10 times out of 10. 
Rahul says, as it is takes on takes 100, I thought I'd submit a tattle take on myself from an earlier episode and you and Kyle oh, can good. laugh at how wrong I was. He said, if the, if both the dolphins or the chargers pass on Justin Herbert, he will end up an Indianapolis Colt. Well, they ended up trading that pick for DeForest Buckner. So I think they had other plans in mind. Well, in look, he didn't predict that the Dolphins and Chargers and or Chargers would both pass on Justin Herbert. He didn't predict that. He said if they do, he'll be a Colt. So take it easy on yourself, Raul, man. That's not bad. No, Uh, you're letting him down easy. That's fine. Sam from Sheffield, England says, um, in the expanded playoff format, it will mean that the AFC North sends three teams, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland to the playoffs this season. We predi- we yeah. we agree with this. We predicted because that. this fell right in line with our season predictions when we went through and predicted all 256 scheduled games. Uh, we had Baltimore at 13 and three, and they clinched the one seed. We had Pittsburgh at 10 and six, and we had Cleveland as the six seed at nine and seven. Yeah, Baltimore won the Super Bowl and Cleveland won a playoff game. So we we're in on the AFC North this yeah, year. We're we're buying that. Cameron Spencer is not from England or Europe, if I'm not mistaken, but he man, he filled up the Twitter feed again. So we're got we gotta make sure we get to Cameron here. He said, despite an uphill battle without full OTAs slash preseason, Chase Young will finish the 2020 season with the most quarterback pressures and sacks of any player in the NFC East. The NFC, man. So you got Demarcus no, Lawrence. Yeah, that was the first place my mind went was Demarcus Lawrence. So nobody on the Giants for sure. They're out. We talked about them today in our, our scouting staff right. meeting. No, Philadelphia. Yeah. So we're, I mean, Derek Barnett, Brandon uh, Graham. No, right? No. Um, I think that my issue, my biggest issue with this take is the mouths to feed in the Washington front seven, right? They've got a ton of dudes. Uh, who are capable of generating pressures. And yeah, Chase Young's probably going to lead the team in both both statistics. But I think about Dallas, and, and it's kind of a one-show-in-town one gig there in the pass rush as far as Demarcus Lawrence being head and shoulders above the rest of the options, especially now that they lost Robert Quinn. So if Demarcus Lawrence is healthy, I think the lack of other appealing options to get to and beat him to the passer on Dallas's front seven gives him the edge over Chase Young, not to mention the fact that he is a well-established player versus the adversity that Chase Young has being a rookie in his first NFL season. All right, that's it for the the inventory of banked takes. So let's do these live ones. Okay, I got one from uh, somebody who we didn't give a shout-out to in at the top of the show, but I feel like we should have in J-Rod Draft Scout. Yeah, well, um, credit to J-Rod. Him and I were DMing back and forth just prior to the show, so – Oh, really? Yeah. So look, there's your ultimate uh, shout out. And J-Rod, wow. I'm going to miss J-Rod this year. For the last couple of years, him and I have met up at Panthers cap, camp and talk football and watch Panthers practice together. And so I'm going to miss that this year for sure. Well, we got a take from J-Rod. Oh, and it's a- Daz, Daz Newsom is confirmed. Good, Joe. Your thoughts. Yeah, I really like Daz Newsom. Um, here's the thing. I think he's probably a slot only, and that's probably okay. Uh, probably means that he won't be like a top 100 pick, but I think he can challenge for that. He just, he's got amazing ball skills. I mean, this guy just comes down with the football 
in so many impressive ways that just don't make a lot of sense. And he's explosive after the catch and he knows how to get loose vertically. Um, I don't know that he has a true second gear that gives him elite speed. That's going to make him like a top tier prospect. But if I was in search of a slot receiver, I'd absolutely be in on Daz Newsome. He's a wide receiver from North Carolina. I think if you watch a highlight reel, Daz Newsom's might be as impressive as anything we've seen in recent years. He's unbelievable in terms of those high level flashes. Okay. Now, I'm going to put a take up here. It's actually more of a question, but nevertheless, still needs to be called out. And I want you to read it to me so that way we can get into our routine of alternating engagements. All right. Medfort1 says, who will be the late round sleeper that surprises people from this draft? Okay. So do we want to say 2020 draft, a guy who was already drafted and will surprise or a 2021 sleeper? You take the liberty you want. No, 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 no. You got to work with me here. We're in the maze together. We get that's. Do you have one? We get the do you have one for 2021? That would be fun. A 2021 sleeper. Yeah. I don't know how much he qualifies as a sleeper at this point because everybody's kind of on the journey Brown thing, but he's a name that comes to mind and, and Dame Brugler blew the, blew the top off of that. Right. Cause he has journey. I think CB or RB one, mm-hmm. um, Man, I'm just trying to sit here. I'll, I'll go read Blankenship, the safety for Middle Tennessee State, who I had a chance to study and and uh, really exciting skill set. He made Bruce Feldman's freak list uh, with a 4.5 in the 40, and he's got like a 38-inch vert and uh, a high 10s in the broad jump. So he covered in, in the game. He missed some time in 2019 with injuries, but in the games that I studied of middle Tennessee state, including some pretty big and notable uh, competitors and, and Michigan being one of them, he covered more grass than any safety I can recall as far as just he's constantly around the football. So that would be a name that I would call out. He, although he may end up rising and not being a late round guy when it's all said and done. You got one. Uh, you got to shoot him up. You've got total control over. No, 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 no. I mean, oh. do you have a late round sleeper, you nut? Ooh, do I have a late round sleeper? Um, which Florida State defensive player do I want to talk about right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently they have 13 of them, and yet uh, their safety still had 100 tackles last year. So you're going to have to explain that there. Right, listen, Adam Fuller is going to come in. Adam <laughs> Fuller, this defensive coordinator, is going to save the day. He's fixed a lot of defenses, and he's got a tall task in front of him, but he's never had so much to ta- uh, so much talent to work with. Let me go with Amari Gaynor. He's um. He's a linebacker for them. He played a lot on the line of scrimmage last year. He's long. He's got good size. If you think of him as an off-ball player and not an edge, but I just think he's got a lot of range. He's got a lot of length. He's got a lot of physicality to play downhill and and, and take on blocks. Um, he's got really good speed. He's really loose. He's fluid. He's got good feet. I think he's just this raw package that's waiting to be used correctly and not so much in a, in a um, in a true edge sense. I want to see him more in space, and I think. He's a guy that literally nobody's talking about. But by the end of the year, when Adam Fuller plays him as a, as a true pursuit style linebacker, as a you know weak side backer in his four three defense, I think you guys are going to be really familiar with this guy. He's explosive and he's got all kinds of tools. And we saw instances of that playmaking ability last year. I can't wait to see him this year. So I don't think when it's all said and down, he's going to be a late round guy. But right now, people probably think of him that way. Jack touchdown brought the heat, and here it is for you. Joe, take Bill O'Brien will still be a head coach in 2021, but not in Houston. 
So, uh, no, Jack, brother. So, if Bill O'Brien's going to be a head coach next season, it will be in Houston. So, there's no way this guy gets fired and then hired somewhere else that quickly. I'm all the way out on that take. All the way out. Oh, so you're not even out. You're all the way out. Yeah, Bill O'Brien's not going to get fired and then rehired. It's uh, no way. No way. But it, but it happened to Adam Gase. So, yeah. Uh, so you're telling me there's a chance. Right. It didn't happen to Rex Ryan. Okay. <laughs> well, touche. touche. Uh, take from Danny Dimes. You probably imagine where this one's going. It is that the Whoa. Giants will be 2023 Super Bowl champs. Now, to be fair, we did ask for hot takes. Mm-hmm. And we got one. Um, so what what has to go right for the New York Giants to get to this point where they're 2023 Super Bowl champs? Uh, you have to have Joe Judge be a smashing success, right? Because in this time frame, I don't think being a first-year coach, taking into consideration if he gets two years like the last 12 Giants head coaches have before they get fired and then they get fired after two seasons – which is what it feels like because ownership really doesn't have a direction that it seems like they feel confident they want to go, then judge has to break that trend and he has to install the team culture starting in the here and now. And Joe, we looked at the roster today for our TD and scouting staff meeting, talking about team needs for some of the teams across the NFL and for the Giants it was really frustrating to look at all of the investments that this team has made defensively and to still see so many prominent holes on that side of the football. So we talked about the corners. It felt like there was a two-year stretch where every third pick the Giants made was a cornerback. Well, DeAndre Baker is on the fringe of potentially getting cut from the team for some off-the-field conduct. They signed James Bradbury, which was a very nice addition. But their second quarter contenders right now are like Grant Haley and Corey Ballantyne and Sam Beal. And it's like, I don't feel good with that group, not in the NFC East. And then you look at the linebackers, and if you're going to run odd front defense, then great. You got a bunch of horses that are going to play on the defensive line for you. But you look at the linebackers, they gave 30 million years to Blake Martinez. They're counting on David Mayo being the starter opposite of him. Their top three pass rushers are Kyler Fackrell and Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez. And it's like, oh, where's the established talent here? They have nothing to show for like all three levels of the defense. There are significant holes. So I will sell this take be- just because from a player personnel perspective, I think there's a lot that needs to change and get a lot better for the Giants in a short amount of time. Take the field. Take the field. Yeah. <laughs> Easiest way to, uh, oh, here you go. Here's a Bills take for Mm. you. Ed Oliver will be the best defensive tackle in the league in three years. We expecting Aaron Donald to retire in the next three years? How about Chris Jones? What about Fletcher Cox? I mean, I think Ed Oliver has the ceiling to be one of the best defensive tackles in football. I don't know that collectively we will look at Ed Oliver and people will say that's the best player at his position in the NFL. I'm very optimistic. I think something that gets lost in the discussions about Ed Oliver is the transition that he made, right? This guy played nose tackle at Houston, right? He was playing over the center, defending multiple gaps in the AAC. Now he's a 4-3 defensive end for an NFL defense, and Ed Oliver played really good down the stretch. I'd say 
the, the growth was notable throughout the course of the year. And you saw him start to make those splash plays behind the line of scrimmage and really show that he can exchange power with really talented interior offensive linemen and give them fits in terms of his quickness. So the light bulb started to come on, and I think it will continue to come on, and I think he'll be an upper echelon player. But I don't know that I'm willing to commit to believing that he will be absolutely the best defensive tackle in the league in three years. This, yeah, this is from MJS3238. Take. Kirk Cousins is better than Aaron Rodgers right here and right now. No, I'm out. I get there are some statistical measures that point uh, to Aaron Rodgers' regression, right? But at the end of the day, Joe, I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Recently found out you're a, a little bit of a fan of QB wins being a metric, right? <laughs> wins, how many big games has Kirk Cousins won? One. One. Has Aaron Rodgers won more than one big game? I'd say many more than one. If you need a quarterback to put the offense on his back during a rough day at the office, are you taking Kirk Cousins or are you taking Aaron Rodgers? Oh, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, point blank, period. To steal from who said that? Point blank, period. That was a Oh, Leotis McKelvin. Yeah. Talking about going to beat the Dolphins. Got to go beat, beat that ass. Point blank beat that period. Ass, point blank period. Listen, I got to defend myself. You brought up the quarterback wins thing. There's some context that's relevant here. Okay. My good buddy, Bruce Nolan from the Bruce Exclusive Podcast, one of my favorite podcasts out there. He's been doing a football myth series, and he he's the one that he's been very passionate about has been quarterback wins, or wins are not a quarterback stat. And actually, tomorrow on his podcast, on Thursday, on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast feed, him and I have a conversation about this following his podcast, where I actually got the opportunity to cross-examine him with some of my counter-arguments. So you can listen to us flesh out that conversation. But the point that I was trying to make is he attributes throughout a very long systematic process, he figures that quarterbacks are responsible for 37% of wins, okay? And I said it's a little more than that. That's all. That's where I'm at with it. Go listen to that podcast tomorrow when it drops on, on Buffalo Rumblings uh, to, to hear the full conversation. Okay, there is uh, currently Xavier Thomas slander going on in Good. the chat. Good, good, Um, I... We have a lot of comments, and we we only got through like the first third of stuff. So I'm trying to to scroll through here and find the most. Uh, Paige Demakos is in the building. Yeah, you know I've got the feed up, and I'm not really looking at it a lot, but I'm seeing a lot Paige. of high pages. High high page. I, you know, from Paige, what I need to know from Paige is we had a conversation. I, I think it was in a uh, was it either on this podcast or in a scouting meeting. I can't remember about um, Matt Nagy. No, it was on the podcast. Right, it was last week with Dre. When yes. we talked about Matt Nagy and, and what would have to happen for him to not return as the head coach. And I said that the wheels got to come off completely. Like, I mean, I'm talking zero, one, two wins. I think he can win six or seven games and be back. So, Paige, take, let me know your take on that. Take for Nick. Frank Ragnell will be a top five center in the NFL this season. Joe Marino, your thoughts? I, I mean, I think he's probably pretty close right now. You know, I, I, I like Frank Ragnow. I think he's a stud. I think they, they experimented with him a little bit at, at guard, and I think he's been better player at center. And, 
you know, I think he will start to hit his stride, man. You want to talk about fun tape to watch? Go back, go back and watch that dude kick ass at Arkansas, man. He is a good football player. He's a good athlete. He's got prototypical size. And um, I get a little bit nervous about some of uh, what's changed around him. Uh, you know, you've seen that affect offensive linemen. You know, th- things change and they're not necessarily quite uh, what they used to be. Right? You know, th- this is an offensive line that lost Graham Glasgow. So I think that could have an impact. But, you know, Frank Ragnow absolutely has the talent to become a top five center in the league this season. Okay. We are continuing onward and upward here. I got one from Codan. Go ahead. Ooh, this is for you. This is good because I made Creed Humphrey a Miami Dolphin in our uh, – Yeah, with a top 10 pick. Damn right it I ne- did. It doesn't happen. It's a gift. It's a gift I'm for si- Tua. I'm, si- I'm sitting here at Hard Rock Stadium. Right. And I'm all emotional about it still. It's a gift for Tua. I blessed him very well. The take from C. Codan 1 is Creed Humphrey won't be the first center taken in the 2021 draft. Who are the other contenders? I have no idea. Unless he doesn't declare, which I would be surprised by that. He already did this. He already did that to us last year. Right. We were convinced. We're like, dude, this guy's a top 20 pick where centers belong with the ceiling in their draft uh, draft ceilings in NFL draft picks, Joe. But um, the best center I watched this year so far, and that's, again, I haven't watched the full nation, full nation. In the ACC, you've got Jack Wollaball from Duke, and you've got Alec Lindstrom from Boston College. Neither one's close to Creed Humphrey. I think Josh Myers is a top 50 caliber pick, the center from Ohio State. He ain't going ahead of Creed if Creed's in this group. So I'm going to take Creed over the field as it pertains to the number one center in the 2020 NFL draft. I'm enjoying following the chat here. I'm seeing, I'm seeing responses like affirming or disagreeing with us. It's really cool. I, I, right. Yeah. Right. Here we go. We're getting some NFL draft action here going now. So take from steered Christian Barmore will be DT one over Marvin Wilson by the end of 2021. I like this a ton. And that look, I like Marvin Wilson. I graded him as a first round prospect as you know, he's one of my guys in the ACC that I took an extensive look at this summer. But from the way that Jordan Reed has talked to us about Christian Barrymore, I mean, the only thing that was giving Jordan any any hesitation on Barmore is that he just hasn't played a ton. But from the 300 or so snaps that he was able to eval him, sounded like a high-level player that was kind of that next-in-line type guy in that Quinn and Williams type role. And so I like Marvin Wilson. I think he's um, I think he's a better player. He's a better pass rusher than the box score is going to tell you that he is. Um, I think he's stout against the run. I don't think he's Derek Brown stout against the run, but it sounds like Barmore has a higher ceiling than Wilson to me. Now, I have to give this one to you as well. It stays on the intense in interior defensive line, and I have a feeling you're going to be a little triggered by it. Ooh, really? Um, oh, hold on now. People listening to the pod – are not going to have a chance to see this comment on the screen. Read it. It's from it's from Coyle. Read NFL. this lie to the people. Read the lie. Take Jalen Twyman is not a top five interior defensive lineman in this class. You called it a lie. You didn't even say no. You said it's a lie. I've been lied to by Coyle NFL. Um, look, I th- let me start by saying I think it's a good defensive line class, good interior defensive line class. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of guys that I think are worthy of top you know, two rounds. 
But Jalen Twyman is in in a lot of ways exactly what the NFL is coveting right now in terms of these penetrate penetration style players that could wreak havoc, that can rush the passer. And if you read my report on the Draft Network with Jalen Twyman, I acknowledge that he has to get better against the run and that he has an opportunity to flesh out his pass rushing repertoire with more variety and, and um, develop more moves and how he beats blocks. But my goodness, the foundation's all there. And one thing about Twyman that I really love is his backstory, kind of what his motivation is, some some troubled upbringings. And you can see that in the way he plays the game, man. I, I, he's a guy that I'm going to bet on, and I'll say he's absolutely a top five interior defensive lineman in the class. Now, take from me from TDN sales guy, Sarasota J. Florida. Kyle Pitts, Florida Homer. Let me get, I got to read this. Jason. Jason. So, yeah. So, Sarasota J. Is that what I got to call him here? I guess. What what does Kyle Pitts have to do this season to be tight end one? Jay, brother, this is not a this is a question. It's not a take. That's okay. But answer it. Yeah. That's okay. He's got to put it out there into the universe. Uh he needs to convince Pat Fryermuth to not declare for the draft. <laughs> it's that That's it, what he is needs it that do. rigid for you? Uh man, I love Fryermuth. You man. do. And we we talked about this when we were trying to stack him in the top twenty. Uh, of the TDM 100, and, and there's a spoiler alert for you. He's inside the top 20. It's you think about the players at the tight end position who end up getting coveted early, and all of the most high-impact guys in the game right now, they don't just impact the passing game. They also impact the run game. George, We talked about this with George Kittle and why George Kittle is effectively going to break the tight end market when it comes time to his second contract, because he is a plus, plus, plus asset as a blocker, and he is a plus, plus, plus asset in the passing game, and he's so versatile in the passing game, you could put him at H, you can put him at F, detached from the set, you could put him at Y with his hand in the dirt as a traditional inline guy, and um, I think Fryermuth has that ability to fulfill all of those roles, whereas Kyle Pitts is more of an F tight end, an Evan Ingram tight who's going to be detached from the set. And his receiving ceiling is perhaps better, but I think Fryermuth's overall impact, and I go back to this too, 2019 NFL draft. There were two Iowa Hawkeyes tight ends that ended up going in the top 20. It's a good the take. Sex, Ooh, the, sexier, good. the sexier name was Noah Fant. Hawkinson went 12 spots earlier at eight because he could play traditional inline. They're both going to be great players. And I think that will be absolutely fact for Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth as well. And Brevin Jordan. I think, mm-hmm. you know, he's a name that kind of gets lost in the shuffle here, but he's a really good talent. Um, but it, it, if I think tight end one, who is the NFL going to feel most comfortable taking really early in a draft it's going to be Pat Fryermuth because of his ability and versatility to play uh, with his hand in the dirt and his ability and impact in the in the run game. That was really good. Thanks, man. I got to dig through here for a take. I'm not going to give you the um, uh, Dolphins have the best AFC East record. I don't like you having control over the takes. This is usually I something do. I do have control over. So it it is yeah. it is. Um, here we go. Here's one from Smith screaming. Uh, take Max Borgie from Washington State, the running back, is the most overrated running back because of unfounded Christian McCaffrey comparisons. Good take. 
I love this. This is really good. I I agree. I, this is a, this is what I'm looking for in takes on takes quality information here. He has been blown out of proportion when it comes to his draft stock, and I do think a lot of that is rooted in, you know, Christian McCaffrey. And I'll even blame our friends Trevor and Ben for calling him. What do they call him? A, a Ben Solak called him a thicker Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Christian Thick Caffrey. I Brother, believe was I, the phrasing used. I had the, that was one of those got to walk away from my computer for a minute type situations. I'll tell you what, Dre Harris, former NFL scout, full time member of our scouting staff here at the Draft Network, he will tell you that Max Borgie is nowhere near the same planet of talent as a Christian McCaffrey. So I do think. In the world of perceiving prospects, people are inflating Borgie. I think in reality, people know that he's he's a, a middling prospect. I found the take. I found the take. J-Rod scout, draft scout, Rashad Bateman will challenge Jamar Chase for the one receiver, wide receiver one title during the 2021 draft process. Ooh, no way. That's strong. No man. way, especially after Feldman said Chase runs 4-4 now. Yeah, if Chase ends up running in the 4-4s, it's game over. Like, And let, let's get this out of the way. There is undoubtedly and inevitably going to be a statistical regression for Jamar Chase not playing with Joe Burrow and all of the other losses that that LSU offense incurred. And that's totally fine. Turn on the 2019 tape and let that serve as the reminder you know, what school was it that always felt like they had a guy like that who was like the year before he was eligible, he was amazing, and then the year he was actually eligible, he had a regression? I don't know if I'm going to pull this one out. Um, I think it was the USC USC for a while when it was like the Marquise quarterback? Lee had it. No, the wide receivers. It was like uh, Marquise Lee and, and um, who else was there in that stretch? Juju. Uh, they had a string of like three or four straight years where it's like, man, like they got a really good receiver, but the guy who's not eligible is the best one. And that he like regresses. And then they're like, okay, let's talk about the next one down the line. So what? are we, we're both selling this, right? We're oh. taking chase over the field. Chase is wide receiver one all day. Okay. Okay. Um, more of a question than a take. Does Antonio Brown make the Hall of Fame? If so, how many years after he is eligible does he make it? He has to make it unless he you know, gets into some egregious trouble at this point, right? Like, he's tarnished his legacy. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think he's done anything that will get him blacklisted from the Hall of Fame to this point. I mean, Antonio Brown probably had the best stretch of wide receiver play in NFL history from 2013 to 2018. I mean, it's, there's never been a better stretch ever. It's not close. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. That's six years consecutively of the highest level of wide receiver play the league has ever seen. Yeah. So uh, obviously hoping the best for Antonio Brown, because it's, you know, you you watch as things transpire for him and it's, it's clear that, uh, getting some help and and stability in his life would, I think would really benefit him. It seems like he's acting out um, and and whatever personal demons he's struggling with. I hope he's able to, to wrangle them and uh, 
get himself in a better place because uh, it seems like the football ship has sailed, but there's more important things for Antonio Brown at this point in time than football. It's getting his life in order. So, but that said, I don't think he's tarnished his legacy enough to the point where, where he's blacklisted. Uh, Does the hall of flame play hardball with him because of this? It seems like they've played hardball with guys in the past. Like how many years did T.O. have to wait? Yeah. So maybe maybe a couple years beyond his eligibility. That six-season stretch, 686 receptions for 9,145 yards and 67 touchdowns. You said 9,000 yards in six seasons? 99.4 yards per game. That's incredible. Come on. <laughs> Here's a good one from Fusco. Jalen Waddell is top three in this class due to versatility. I'm ready to buy this, not top three overall, mm-hmm. but a top three wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to buy. Yeah, I'm in. I'm I'm definitely in. Remember, do you remember this, Kyle? I was uh, working on scouting reports last year, and I did one on Jalen Waddle, <laughs> only to find out he wasn't eligible. Yeah, I forgot about that. You were you're always so meticulous. I couldn't believe during I mean. during the end of the college football season to not write a report on a guy that you would waste. I, and uh you never do like this this past year was the first year I got burned on it and the last two seasons I did Travis Etienne and he ended up declaring and coming back. But like you've you don't even touch underclassmen. Right. You're like, "No, I'm all seniors. I got to do seniors until the deadline." And then lo and behold, you magically found a way to do Jalen Waddle. What do you think of Jalen Waddle, Joe? He's, he's a good football player, probably top three <laughs> wide receiver in this rising class. And uh you dunce. Man, he's got unbelievable speed. Um, yeah, I think he's got some technical stuff that he can work on in terms of, you know, when you're that fast, I think the route running, the the discipline to becoming a, a really deceptive route runner might not be there because you're just gonna win foot races and get open, especially in that offense and how he was used. But you know, you you see you see a lot of the boxes checked that the NFL is valuing right now, and so I think a team that's looking for big plays. Who isn't looking for big plays? Every single team in the NFL is. He can get vertical. He can win after the catch. He offers some upside in the return game. Not some upside. He's unbelievable in the return game. And um, this is what the NFL wants. And 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 I could not imagine him not being one of the first three receivers off the board. Michael, a man after your heart. Josh Allen wins MVP this year and gets paid hashtag Bills Mafia. Is he playing all 16 games against the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, because if he is, then the answer is yes. So then no? (laughs) No, he's not playing the Dolphins for 16 games. Do you want to know what his stat line would be if he did play the? No, I don't. Actually, yeah, go ahead. Well, you got. Well, I mean, do you have? An, I have, you got to give me a second because uh, this is this is something I need to look. Oh, okay. I got it okay. though. You just got to give me like literally a second. Oh, look who's here, Jay Reed. Okay, and he dropped a bomb on us. Dial him in. Jordan said, "Hey guys, Joe, get your producer to pull up Josh Allen's projected stats if he played every game of. The I got season it. Against I got it. You already got it. If All right, Josh, we'll to- if Josh Allen played a sixteen-game season." against only the Miami Dolphins, just taking his average production in the four games that he's played against the Miami Dolphins, Josh Allen would have 3,652 passing yards, 40 passing touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 1,272 rushing yards, and 12 rushing touchdowns. So what we're talking about is a better season than Lamar had last year. 
Just give me a sec. See, this the, the, the listeners of the podcast tomorrow that are not watching this live stream will not appreciate Kyle putting his head down and slamming down his mic. And, oh, no, he's got whiskey now. Um, no, I got rum. It's an apple juice. You know, I don't know what the people. It's not apple juice. We going straight from the bottle here? Yeah, we All are. All right. Uh, let's see here. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four. Dude, what are you doing? Five? Kyle, stop. <laughs> stop drinking. Okay. Are you ready now? Those or? would be good stats. That per- would be a great season. <laughs> Pretty good, right? That would be an awesome season. Hey, keep going back for another swig. Uh, it wouldn't be right. Kyle Krabs on the internet doing video things without an alcohol sip, right? It's been a really long time right. since I've done it. Yeah. Well, probably since Tuscaloosa, right? We chugged the beer at the end of the show. Yeah. You chugged we, the we beer both- and I tapped out halfway through. Yeah, you uh, you hung me out to dry. Well, the That's camera okay. cut away, and I knew it, and I said, I don't have to drink the rest <laughs> yeah. of this, and I'm not going to. And then you you held it down at your hip, too. You didn't even try and, like, take a breath and then finish. You were like, no, I'm going to tuck it behind my back. Take me back I to st- Tuscaloosa, brother. I stood up after the camera's mm-hmm. cut, and I see you, and you got that half-full glass hanging around your waist. I'm like, you son of a bee sting. Hung me out to dry. All right, so Jordan Reed said... Hey guys, you're a QB needy team and own the number two overall pick. Do you take Justin Fields from Ohio State or Trey Lance from North Dakota State? I'm taking Fields. I also think I'm taking Fields. I think Jordan would take Lance though. Do you? I do. I don't know. When we do you remember when the scouting staff talked about Fields? I think Jordan was willing to acknowledge the talent level, but that there was another level that he wanted to see out of Fields. There but was. He, I and, felt and the he, same about he, Lance, though. He, and he, I was going to say, he acknowledged that about Lance, too, but it just, I don't know, Jordan almost gave me the impression that, like, and Jordan, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to put words in your mouth here, and we might have to have you on to defend your honor here one of these times if I do put words in your mouth. It seemed like he was worried about the, the simplicity simplicity of the Ohio state offense and that a lot mm-hmm. of things were easy. Whereas Trey Lance, even though he was a redshirt freshman last year, like he did so much and he was asked to do so much. And I think that dynamic of those two guys impressed him with Trey Lance to the, ver- to the point in which at, at the very least he would give Trey Lance very strong consideration. But for me personally, I would take fields at this point in time. Uh, same. Yeah. Fields fields has unbelievable ability to throw the football just as far as arm slots from all different kinds of angles. He's terrific. Um, there are actually a few people saying Lance in the comments. I don't know if you saw that or not. Mm. Several, mm. several. Uh, here's one. Another one from Smith screaming when he's enshrined. Eli Manning will be the worst player in the hall of fame. Jerome Bettis. Troy Aikman as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the way in on that take, brother. <laughs> All the way in. Oh, and then we got some of the comments who said Joe Namath as well. So mm, No, I, you know, Joe Namath, I give him credit. He, like, had the first ever 4,000-yard passing season in NFL history. Yeah, go look at his. his yeah, the rest of it's not great. You've seen it's Terry terrible. Bradshaw's stats and production as well. So these are, yeah, this, I mean, he'll be in this conversation, right, with these players that we're talking about right now? Probably. 
But Troy Aikman was an excellent pull, and Cowboys Nation is going to be so pissed at us. But man, I don't I don't care? Should we should we dig into Troy a little bit here? Or his his um his highest passing touchdown total in a season twenty three in nineteen ninety two. That's the only time he ever had more than twenty passing touchdowns in a season. Take. All right, what do we got? Clocking the draft. Is this Dan Dan Cater's clock? My is that boy. who this is? It's my boy. I got. I actually. Tight, I, I got something. I got to ask Dan. Is a minute here. Off the tight off end. Record. Tight end Jordan Reed with a great question. Take no one enjoys this joke more than Joe Marino. Fact. You, so you good. quite you quite quite frequently reference Jordan's playing career that he didn't have in the NFL, but uh, we have the joke. And then the, the running joke is there's actually an offensive tackle at Michigan state whose name is Jordan Reed. And uh, so there, there has to always be a Jordan Reed in the pipeline. And this year's is an offensive tackle at Michigan state. I'll be honest with you. I don't even see every time Jordan Reed references are made. People DM them to me. They're like, right. Hey man, here's another chance. And I got to pounce every time I got to. It's uh, it's something I can't resist. Uh, we have another one from Smith screaming that I'm not going to put on the on the stream, but it has to do with me finishing this bottle of run and rum and his confidence in whether or not I can actually do it. So oh, I know we can. I know I can too. I'm not going to. I hung with no. You know what? Never mind. I was going to say something that was wrong. Oh, this is a good one. MS. MJS three, two, three, eight take the bears franchise would have been better off never trading for Khalil Mack. I want this one. Okay. Take it. I the want floor this. Is yours. Yeah, uh, the floor is yours. So I think we're, I think we're pointing our fingers at the wrong thing. When, when they traded for Khalil Mack, there were some things that were true about this football team that I thought made it make sense. Right. I thought they had achieved some plus values in the draft whether it was James Daniels, who I thought was, <clears throat> excuse me, was a player that deserved to be a higher pick. Uh, I thought Cody Whitehair, they were getting a steal there. I thought they had a steal in Eddie Jackson. Um, Eddie Goldman, to me, was a steal. They had uh, some cap flexibility. They had a quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. And for me, I said, this is the right time for this to happen. And if they would have had a different quarterback than Mitch Trubisky, if he would have developed and not plateaued in the way that he has, we'd be talking about the Bears very differently. So for me, I was fine with Khalil Mack trade at the time. The problem is the quarterback piece of it was so far off that it has ruined a very good infrastructure and environment to make that type of a deal. You cannot let the fact that Mitch Trubisky plateaued in the worst possible way take away from him as being the problem and that Khalil Mack, if he was paired with the right quarterback, if Mitch Trubisky was better than Watson and Mahomes, you'd be really happy that they had Khalil Mack. Drew Blake. And he got me. (laughs) The the MJS kid trying to piss off Paige. And it worked. I got triggered. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Paige. In the comments says he's about to get kicked out the club. And I'm sitting here yelling about this, and it's a joke. All right. You got to take the next one. I got to take a sip of water. 
sip of water. Imagine yeah, drinking water. Water in there. I know. You got to taste it how frequently I drink water this weekend. And it's important for hydration. I feel better when uh, I drink water. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm scrolling through here. We got a ton of takes, but uh, I want to make sure I get the good ones. We, we got flooded with takes. I can, every time I look down, I see conversation about Xavier Thomas. Yeah, I know somebody in the, in the comments is trying to say Xavier Thomas is going to be good. Do you see Jamie's? Jamie's got one there. Down at the bottom? Jamie Eisner. Take. Oh, here you go. Take. Joe is more pissed off about the Khalil Mack thing than Paige. Probably, but I think it's because Paige is used to the, the bear slander. Right. Right? Um, here you go. Here's one. Midwest Pats fan. Cam Newton will be a top five quarterback this year. Let's see. Mahomes. Russ. Russell Wilson. Okay. Who we got next? Watson. Deshaun Watson. Kyler. Uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, Drew Brees. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, people... I don't know Lamar. when it became like a big Lamar. <laughs> Somebody saying Josh, Josh Allen, get out of here. Um, I don't know when people decided to turn their nose up to Dak Prescott, but um, this dude has Gallup, Cooper. He's got Zeke. He's got CeeDee Lamb. He threw for 4,900 yards last year. He's got no line. He's got an offensive line. Granted, losing Travis Frederick will hurt. But Kyle, they've they've drafted for this. I know, they're but ready for this. We got, Joe Looney we got, and Connor we McGovern. Got Joe Looney. Connor we McGovern. got Joe Looney. We're fine. I know, Dallas. We hear it every day. <laughs> but <laughs> um Dak's really good, man. I, I had a chance to watch Dak and kind of get into whether or not he should have been paid. And Dallas dropped the ball handling this. Uh, as, as much as they did, this this is nothing to do with the take. We counted off five plus guys, so I think that you know we are both in agreement. We're not going to put Cam as a top five receiver, even though Joe, it's interesting. Uh, you have experienced the Cam Newton era up close and in person because you've been in Charlotte, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, we are in agreement, you and I both, that the supporting cast that Dak or that Cam has this year in New England despite the fact that it's not very good, is arguably better than anything he ever had in Carolina. That's uh, that's the best take I've heard on this podcast, something I've been preaching. We've both been preaching. You want to go back and look at uh, that uh, supporting cast that he had in 2015, Cam's NFL MVP season, uh, his top two receivers, Corey Brown, Ted Ginn Jr., with backups Jericho Cotri and Devin Funches, obviously tight end Greg Olson. No one's going to thumb their nose at that, but they're all, his offensive tackle, Michael Orr, Andrew Norwell, Ryan Khalil, Trey Turner, and Mike Remmers, and then running backs Jonathan Stewart and Mike Tolbert and Fozzie Whitaker. I think the Patriots supporting cast this year, while I don't like it, is better than what he had in 2015. Halil's football talk. This is a this is a new one. Halil's going to be on the on takes and takes two hundred. We'll shout out Halil with the with his uh, yeah, with his track he's, record. He's come in hot here as of late. Take the Cardinals and Browns will both have top five trios at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver in the league in two thousand and twenty. So, 
quarterback, Kyler Murray. Running back, Kenyon Drake. Yeah. Wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. Now, if we say they're a top five trio, are we taking all three combined together or are we saying they have to have a top five player at all three spots? I think it's the combination, the sum of all of it. Okay. And then Cleveland, geez, Louise, is going to be Baker, Nick Chubb, Odell. and Odell Beckham. Yeah. Can we think of five better combos? Brady. Dak, Cooper, and Zeke. Do we agree that's better than both of those? Yeah. Okay, that's one. Nice. Your turn. You were going to go with Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Ronald Jones. Get out of here. No. Pat well, Mahomes, Mahomes. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and Tyreek Hill. I'm ready to buy that over both of these. Yeah. So that's two. Um, this might be a good take. Well, hold on. Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. Give me that. That's three. Let's go. We're going to get to five. I believe it. Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. All the way in. That's four. So one of these teams is automatically out now because that's four trios we'd rather have. That's going to bump one of these out of the top five. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But, hey, we they're good. The, the point being that they have very good trios. They do. Yeah. They do, though. Yeah. Um, take Derek Carr as the starting quarterback for the Colts in 2021. This one's fun. I can see it. I like this a lot, actually. Yeah. I, I like him with the personnel. I like him with Coach Reich. I think the Raiders, if they do flop, and I think they will because we're getting into an arms race here with uh, the Broncos are on the rise, and obviously the Chiefs are going to be chasing those guys. Uh, it's That's a tough task. And um, I think we could see after three seasons of Gruden and Carr if things don't go well that being a catalyst for change. And listen, Carr's cap hits 22 mil. It's not egregious. It's starting quarterback yeah. money, yeah. but it's not egregious. It's not like they're trapped underneath it like the Packers are with Aaron Rodgers after drafting Jordan Love, where no matter what happens in 2021, the Packers owe Rodgers like $32 million. You're talking about a very different situation. So... I can I see get it behind this. The path, I think the path is is quite clear there. I think that's bold. I think it's more probable than not that it doesn't happen, but I think you can see a very logical course for that to take place. Oh my goodness. Take. He is trying he is bringing the heat today. I like it. Yeah, well now this and, is he's bouncing back, right? This is Yeah. yeah he's overcorrecting. MJS. Overcorrecting. MJS. Jordan Love will never starts a game in Green Bay. Has this ever happened? Can you think of a time in which this has ever happened? Where a, a guy, a quarterback was drafted in the first round and never started a game for that team? I'm sure, I'm sure it has in like the 60s when we're wearing leather. In, in relevant history. Bullshit. Right. No way, man. No way. We're both selling. We're both selling. No way. Okay. Oh, uh, how about Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown as a trio? Would you rather have that over the, the two trios we talked about? It's close. I, that's tough. I don't think – I don't think – I think Tannehill's a bottom 12 quarterback in the NFL. So, like – Ooh, careful. 
the key and faith it, truthers are going to get after you on that one. <laughs> Charlie Gross, a, a good friend of the podcast, Charlie Gross. Uh, What's he got? Not a friend. Not a friend with this take though. A trio of Darnold, Perryman, and Bell. Charlie, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I knew that was going to get you, Charlie. Like, first of all, <laughs> no, nah, dude, man. Charlie, you got better takes than that, man. Come on. Charlie t- Charlie typically has great takes. Right, dude. You Oh, here here. How about Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson? If they're healthy, absolutely. I would take though that trio. For sure. All day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, Charlie <laughs> Yikes. Worst take of the night. Didn't think you'd read it, he says. <laughs> Kyle's in oh. control. Normally I save. If they're that bad, I normally save them. We don't deal with that on the podcast. But Kyle has control of the takes. He will expose you, it, it appears. Yeah, well, it's it's been a great night for draft dudes and takes on takes. Uh, but it is time to bring it to a close. We have gone for an hour, 60 minutes to celebrate but not without getting Halil's football talks last minute buzzer beater take draft dudes is the best football podcast out there, but it is 4 a.m. here and I am dead brother. Thank you. Dude, that's awesome. I cannot imagine that is terrific to hear. And, And on a very, very, very serious take, we are eternally grateful for all of your takes throughout a hundred episodes of takes on takes your continued listenership, and, and we would not be where we are without each and every one of you. And I am so thankful. And I know I speak for Joe when I say this as well for each and every listener that we have. And I cannot wait for the next 100 episodes of Takes on Takes. We're going to sign it off with a cheers. And uh, here's to finishing the rest of this rum bottle that uh, they didn't think that I could, Joe. Cheers.